Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 22, All This and Mary Too. Mary, what happened this week? Kelly goes to rehab and breaks up with Colin. The gang has basically all forgiven her for cutting them out of their lives. They send, they all send flowers, and Donna gives her one of those parrot toys that repeats what you say. Also, she gets a roommate, Tara, who has been through some things. Donna bringing that parrot toy was very much like, look, we used to have fun. I'm fun. And also, like, what do you get someone who is in rehab for cocaine that treated you like absolute shit, but you want to be there for them? <laughs> I feel like she should have shown up with, like, well, maybe not magazines, because that reminds Kelly of work. True. Yeah, I feel like there's probably, like, a list. She probably went down the present list and was like, can't do that. That'll remind her of her dad. Can't Mm -hmm. do that. That'll remind her of her psychology classes. Can't do that. And ended with a bird. Like, what? I guess, like, it begs a good question. Like, what would you get somebody in this situation? I mean, if I could, I know that I would bring you Ariel cheese, but if you're in rehab, I don't know that I would be allowed to bring outside food in. (laughs) I feel like in this scenario, like coloring, like activity books. Mm, That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Something to keep you busy and like keep your hands busy so you're not just trying to read and like, you know, just getting frustrated. I mean, I might sound like a total 80-year-old here, but give me one of those giant books that has, like, the variety of puzzles. The Sudokus, the crosswords, all of it. That's what I want. My Sudoku book is literally right next to me. Yeah, mine's under my nightstand. (laughs) John makes fun of me every night. He's like, is it time for your puzzles? Oh. (laughs) But I love it. It just – it's idle things, right? Like, it's – mindless almost I mean like you use your brain but like you're not thinking about all the crap that happened today or you're not doom scrolling on Twitter so you're just counting one to nine exactly (laughs) yeah but you know so Donna brings her that present later first David brings her flowers and I really did like this little conversation between the two of them where Mm -hmm. like he tries to apologize for not being there which I kind of feel like he was as much as he could have been right Yeah. And, you know, she's very introspective about how she shut everybody else out and she has to get through this. And then when Colin shows up and David just like looks at her and is like, you tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Just like, that's the move. I know. And that felt intentional too. Like Mm -hmm. very much like eyes going back and forth between him and her and him and her. Because he's, yeah, like waiting for her to say, no, I want you to stay or I'll be okay. And she does, and he does end up checking in. And I, me, the whole time, I'm like, uh-uh, get out. You get out. Like, get right. Mm-mm. Like, I like that this is what David did. But yeah, on the other hand, if he was just like, you can't be here. Which, also, how did he get in? I feel like being in her first week in a drug rehab, she should have a list. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I I don't know. I've never visited anyone in a facility like this, but I wonder if it's just like a sign-up sheet or, yeah, you have to – I would imagine you would have to have an approved list because, like, what if you were in rehab because 
you were also in a very abusive relationship. You can't just have your abuser showing up, right? You mean like Colin, who has been emotionally well, abusive yes. for weeks? Yes, but also like physically abusive too. You know, like yeah. you wouldn't let Ray Pruitt in here. But like, seriously, the first thing he does when they're alone is to say like, oh, I've been clean for a week too. See, you don't need rehab. We can just go be clean together, which worked out so well for him three months ago. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, they've had that conversation before, I think, Mm -hmm. two other times where they're trying to use their own willpower and then they admit that they have no willpower. So, yeah, I just don't know. Like, Colin is very... He's an interesting guy for so many reasons, but like one of them being because I think he's an artist, he's very much like, no, this is just like the process. Like we don't need these like institutions or like he he strikes me as somebody who would never want to get married, not because he doesn't love a person, but because he doesn't want the government to like tell him, you know, who he's legally bound to, you know? Yeah. and I don't know, this felt very much like that, like, which, you know, I don't have any problem with people who don't want to get married. I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. I just mean, he very much seems like a holistic, like, I want to do this myself. I don't need something else, like, doing this for me or something. Yeah, he's a very, like, I don't need other people. I'm really independent of myself unless it comes to paying for my stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like... I don't know. He's a very interesting person. That's yeah. a good way to put it. I mean, even Kelly is like, don't you see? Like, we're not good for each other. And Colin immediately thinks it was told to her to say that. You mm-hmm. know, like, he even thinks that the the facility and perhaps, I don't know, people around her as well as, like, the um, group therapy that they may do and things like that have been feeding her lines that has already turned Kelly against Colin, not that Kelly has her own thoughts and feelings and especially coming out of cocaine highs can actually think for herself, you know? Yeah. And it's wild, like how much clarity she has Mm -hmm. after just one week. I mean, she's being so emotionally mature in this breakup. I mean, She says she doesn't blame him for anything. It was a two-way street. Like, they were both affecting each other, which is exactly why they have to break up. 100%. 100%. And he takes that very weirdly, considering the episodes we've had recently where he comments about having no say in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that rubbed me the wrong way for a lot of reasons. One being, yes, good point, like, the episodes that we've had in the past. But also, like, for me – I'm like, no, like, like Kelly wants to break up with you. You typically, if you're in a relationship with somebody wants to break up with you, it's not up to you at that point. Like, yeah, you could probably reason and apologize and like whatever it is. But if somebody doesn't want to be in a relationship with you, that's their own decision. Yeah. Like, like you both keep saying it's a two way street. So if like one half of it is not into it anymore, then Mm -hmm. you really have to accept that it's not a two-way street anymore. And like, you're not going to be happy in this either. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, he mostly accepts it. Like he's, you know, a little harsh in this moment, but we see later he has acknowledged he's been dumped. Yep. And then the next person that comes to visit Kelly is Jackie. Who? Oh, Jackie. I 
I'm very glad that they can still have these conversations, I guess. I think I'm a little conflicted because on the one hand, I I almost wanted it to be a little bit more tense. Maybe tense is the wrong word. More Jackie maybe sort of walking on eggshells because to see her own daughter going through something so similar to what Jackie went through and now to like see the other side of it and see perhaps what Kelly had to go through as a child. I could, I I almost kind of wanted it to be a, a thing where they almost couldn't talk to each other about anything but surface level things because they almost didn't want to like talk about the familial similarities. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you know, that might be a little bit what they're going for. Because, you know, Kelly complains about the food and the smell and, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. But you're right. It would be good, you know, maybe after Kelly's been here a little bit longer and, like, she's not, you know, in this, like, newness of it all and Jackie mm-hmm. feels a little more comfortable in her rehabilitation to have that conversation and be like, look, you really sure. scared me. No, that's a fair point. Maybe it's just not the right time yet because it's so like her addiction was like basically yesterday. I mean, it was a week ago, but still it was basically yesterday. And so for as much clarity as she has now, imagine how much clarity she'll have in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, because they say she has 21 days left, like she's in for four weeks. And so presumably... Like, she will actually be in on these sets for the next three episodes unless there's, like, a time jump or anything. Mm-hmm. And maybe at that point, yeah, we'll have some sort of, like, family moment where Kelly and David and Jackie all realize what's going on in their lives. Yeah. But that doesn't happen now because now we find out that Kelly is getting a roommate and she's asleep right now so we can't meet her yet. But her doctor says that she paired the two of them up specifically. Mm -hmm. Which tells me that Tara is very important. Yeah. Like, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, pay attention, listeners or viewers. You must must pay attention to Tara Marks because we wouldn't give her a first name and a last name and tell you that she's important if she wasn't important. Yeah. And then we meet her and – She's very stressed out. Mm-hmm. This poor girl, like, the only thing we see, she wakes up. She's very confused. She doesn't know where she is. And then as soon as she realizes it, she just, like, turns over and breaks down into tears. Yeah, and, like, previously the doctor had said she's got to sleep. She needs her rest. Like, it's she's had a very traumatic experience, whatever. And, yeah, like, clearly, like, she all she does is wake up from being asleep cries and go back goes back to sleep which fair it's like day one yes by the way she is in a few episodes of Buffy the actress oh my gosh oh I know who she is so do I (laughs) I thought she looked so familiar but I could not place her at all yeah same here until I looked it up and I was like I wonder 
is this? <laughs> I didn't put it together because I was so distracted with trying to figure out what was going on with her hair. Well, yeah, and she looks much younger. Not saying she looks old and buffy, but like she looks like a child here. And she's playing like a college-aged werewolf and buffy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel very certain that the hair situation in this episode is just a wig designed yes. to make her look younger and like wash her face the out. Same and thing. <laughs> yeah, I could not stop staring at the hair every single like complete face blindness. If you had not told me who that actress was, I would not be able to pick her out from a lineup. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know. I I just knew she looked familiar. And to be honest, once I heard the name Tara, I was like, wait. That's not the same actress who plays Tara on Buffy. And no, no, it's not. It's someone totally different. A much better Tara. <laughs> yeah. That's not fair. We just met her. She's sad. I can't be mean. She's very sad. Yeah, because like the next time we see everything, which I guess is the next day, you know, Donna has brought over that stupid bird toy mm-hmm. and they do have a heart to heart. Like I do appreciate Donna saying like your behavior scared me. And, like, Kelly trying to apologize and Donna being like, you don't have to. I at least appreciated that. Yeah. But then Tara walks in, is, like, very dear in the headlights when she sees other people in this room. And it's just like, uh, bye. Yeah, I think what struck me as interesting was, like, because because we're trying to figure out more about Tara because we haven't been given tons of information, you know, the fact that she comes in, immediately apologizes even mm-hmm. after Kelly and Donna say it's okay, she still, like, apologizes for intruding and then darts out of there. That makes me wonder, like, okay, like, are we starting to fill in some little gaps here? Right. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, I think we can kind of pick up how Tara got to be in this place. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not to worry. They make it pretty obvious in the next scene. Because that night, Tara starts having nightmares. And when Kelly wakes her up, she apologizes Mm -hmm. for being scared by a nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, Kelly tells her about this nightmare that she has that's basically, like, starts with reality and then continues into, like, what Kelly was scared would happen to her if she didn't get herself out of the situation at Danny Fives? Sure, Johnny Swim. I know it's a five. It is a five. Mambo number five. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's his name now. Huh? (laughs) Tara says that Kelly's nightmare is not a dream, but her reality. So, okay, question about that, because, yes, Kelly just shared her dream, and then Does Tara mean that Kelly's dream is Tara's real life or that Tara's nightmare is also her real life? I interpreted it as Kelly's dream is Tara's life. Oh, dear. Yeah, right? I mean, neither situation is good, but you just have to hope if it was, you know, the latter instead of Kelly's nightmares is her reality, you would hope it wasn't as bad as what Kelly's nightmare was yeah I mean who knows if we'll get like Mm -hmm. much more detail into 
like filling in the gaps of Tara's life because, yeah, you know, I don't know how many episodes she's in, but presumably they're going to be like pretty close together for the next couple of episodes. Because I mean, like the next day, it's Kelly feels like she's kind of taken on Tara as a project, mm-hmm. and I can't decide if that's what the doctor intended it to be to give Kelly something to do or if maybe the doctor was like, no, I meant for you both to like just be in rehab together. Like you're about the same age. Like. I don't know. I mean. One thing I do know about like mental health institutions is they don't encourage friendships between patients. Mm. So it's really weird that the doctor even said, I gave you this roommate with you in mind. Like, that's just weird. It And it feels weird. Like, yeah, I don't know much about this, arguably. Like, anything I would know I've seen from, you know, movies. Like, that's not, you know, Girl Interrupted is not the most useful research I could have done on anything. Yeah. But, yeah, it feels like Kelly should be focusing on herself and getting herself better and not, like, mentoring Tara. Or, like, acting like an older sister type situation to somebody who has essentially no family. Yeah. Because the next day they're taking some sort of, like, pottery hour together, which I think they even mentioned they're doing it instead of therapy. Yeah. I don't know if that was a joke or an actual thing, but I was like, please don't do this instead of therapy. I understand that it can be a form of therapy, but in addition to therapy, not instead of Porque no los dos. You got 24 hours a day. Exactly. This is why Kelly needs activity books. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Tara is originally from Colorado. And essentially, she ran away from Colorado. She ran to California. Her parents wrote her off and now, like, complete no contact. She has no idea where they are. They have no interest in her. And she just, like, punches Clay. Which that was super interesting and also gives me a reality check of the era of time Mm -hmm. because she says that she tries to – she attempted to call her parents collect when she originally got out to California and her parents would not accept the charges. So at that point, like I guess like Tara says like, yeah, like I could have kept calling but if they didn't answer like they – probably moved by now or something like that it's like you just don't know like as much as I think you know to the in today's world social media is likely a net negative on society there are interesting things about the connectivity of it to be able to connect with family members that you didn't know or things like that because pretty much everybody has a Facebook profile yeah so while I don't think social media is like great it at least can help with situations like these. And so I'm like blasted to the past like immediately with all this. I Yeah, the idea that she was like, well, they couldn't pick up the phone call when I couldn't afford to like make a phone call. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah even like calling across state lines like yeah. that costs money. Mm-hmm. It's not like now where you can just like borrow a cell phone or frankly even just like get a prepaid cell phone and be good right. for a little while. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I will say Kelly looks a lot better after her one week in drug rehab. Like, they've changed the way they do her makeup. She looks a lot like her skin has her color back. Mm -hmm. 
and she seems a lot more mentally clear. But I also think she's going in the wrong direction with the Tara stuff. And I also feel very bad for Tara. And I don't know how to form an opinion about what's going on with Tara. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I'm interested in Tara specifically. But am I interested in having another, like, Dylan Erica situation? Not that they're mm. siblings, but, like, in, in this case, maybe a surrogate sibling. Like, no, I'm not interested in that because, like Mary said, it's, like, that's not a good thing to form an attachment in an outpatient – well, I don't know if this would be called outpatient, but, like, a four-week program that we mm. know Kelly's in that we have no idea how long Tara's there for. Yeah, I mean – it seems like Kelly is very specifically inpatient and yeah, you don't know if Tara is on the same timeline as her, if it's going to be like they're going to be rooming together for three weeks or, right. you know, as they go on different paths through their recovery, they switch and get different. Like, I just don't know how these yeah, things work. For sure. But I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens here because I just don't know. Like, it's not going to be like a Donna thing where Kelly tries to get the family back together. That doesn't feel right. right. Agreed. So who knows? I guess we'll have to find out. But Mary, do you want to tell us what else happened this week? While Nat watches in horror while his human ears on rats stock value drops, Donna overhears a new segment mentioning an experimental treatment for just the thing that Joe has wrong with his heart. Joe doesn't want to get his hopes up and Dr. Dad agrees. Donna says she won't give up if this means Joe can have his health and his football career. Dad's like, okay, sweetie, I'll help you however I can. Donna brings Joe to church to say a prayer for his heart, and he's really touched. I... You go first. So I think they could have used literally anything else on the TV. Like, what even is this? They could have just... It could have been a daytime baseball game, and Nat is just... Oh, dang it. Strike three. Cut to commercial. Like, I'm sorry. Rats with human ears? Oh, I wrote in all caps, the Money Cable Network is airing <laughs> medical news about athletes with heart problems. Like, so many words in that sentence that you just said have nothing to do with each other. Money Cable Network. Uh, Medical. <laughs> Rats. Human. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Well, to your point, why couldn't you just be watching, like, Sports Center? Yeah. Or, like, Good Morning America. Shows. Yeah. Like, surely there was game shows in the middle. Now, watch your stories. Watch Young and the Restless. We know it was on back then. And at lunchtime, this would make sense. Okay. But now I'm just thinking of, like, you know, in daytime television when you're watching, like, you know, old – uh, reality shows or like old game shows and then the commercials are all about like let's teach you about a reverse home mortgage and it's very clearly a scam like yes now I'm convinced that's what just happened to Donna is the money cable network is bullshit well and it could also be those do you or your loved one have mesothelioma call now you could be entitled to compensation like one of those things yes and Donna is just like, that's it. And this is such a Donna story. This is like quintessentially Donna. It's peak Donna. <laughs> it really is. Like when we say Brandon goes full Brandon, this is Donna going <laughs> full Donna. 
This is so full Donna. Oh my god. This is Donna demanding everyone does what she thinks is right and then the show being like, guess what? She's right. I mean, I guess, like, in Donna's defense, her heart is always in the right place. Always 100% of the time. But baby girl, like, the execution on this, like, I don't know. Poor baby. I just, everyone. Joe is like, wouldn't a doctor have told me about this if it was a viable solution? And then her dad is like, I am a doctor. This is not a viable solution. And she's just like, father who went to seven years of medical school and a residency Minimum. and is in like, you know, 25 years of medical practice. You're wrong. Yeah. The what about hope? Like I wanted her to pull off like a Supergirl speech here and like put her her fists on her hips and just talk about hope. Like the music swells behind her. There's like a, yes. a cool breeze coming in out of nowhere. She suddenly gets, like, huge biceps and, like, <laughs> she's just a beefcake now. <laughs> Everyone is just in awe. I mean, I get it. That's how I react when I see Supergirl. <laughs> Don't we all? I mean, it fits, right? Because Donna still has the, like, puppy dog, like, golden retriever mentality and personality. So she could be Supergirl if she wanted to. I'm just saying we have never seen Donna and Supergirl in the same room together. <laughs> And we know Donna likes to dress up in costumes, so. <laughs> yeah, I see no flaws. I think for me, well, first of all, I don't know if I ever mentioned this because I don't know that we ever heard what condition Joe has, but because the bulletin or commercial or whatever it was, a segment called it HCM, which coincidentally is the same um, heart problem that Lucas has in One Tree Hill, so. Oh my gosh. That's fun. It's the TV disease. <laughs> Is it even a real disease? Did we check? I didn't check, but they said words like myopathy or something like that. Myo wrong order. You know, cardiomyopathy. Cardio there we go. So the H might stand for hydro, hyper, heart. <laughs> heart cardio. <laughs> so yeah, Joe's not all, all up on this either, though. Like Donna's like all excited about it and he's like what yeah what <laughs> and, she, and she tries to play it off of like he's just depressed yeah which I mean fair he probably is it's just it's so Donna and then she takes him to church again very Donna they go sit in a pew and then she prays out loud and all I could think of was uh, your dad saying of like she's making a point not making a difference she's mm. just loudly praying to be like dear god please guide joe to do the thing i want him to do yeah it's like um objection leading the witness <laughs> like <laughs> but then he's like no one's ever prayed for me before it's like that's a bold-faced lie i guarantee your parents have prayed for you did you not say grace at every meal up in pennsylvania <laughs> We saw him say grace on this show. Like, exactly. Joseph. I will say, though, like, it is very, like, for as silly as I think Donna's, like, point, not difference was, it was very, like, Donna found a way to get through to him, right? That was a very Donna and Joe thing to do because, yeah, Donna does know how important faith is to Joe. So I can appreciate, 
you know, again, the intent is there. It's just the execution is poor. So I can appreciate Donna tapping into what she knows and quite frankly loves about Joe and attempting that way because it does end up working. I just really hope that Joe doesn't have to go get some experimental clinical trial type Grey's Anatomy thing because those never end well. They just don't. Right? Like this is before Grey's Anatomy and House and like I don't even know how long ER had been on. Like Donna is not appropriately scared. (laughs) Right? There has not been a poll that goes through two people and they're able to like disconnect them but only one lives. That that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this was like a pretty this is very unbrand for Donna. She got through to him. Like, you know, I agree with you on all those points. I still stand by. This is like Donna at an 11, which is just, we have found my Donna limit. And it is like two steps below this. Yes, I agree. It also, like, minor detail, but it bugged me that every time they would like pan to Joe on when they were um, kneeling at the pews, that his coverage would be extremely out of focus. And Donna's mm. would be perfectly in focus. It it was a side by side, so you it wasn't like an over the shoulder thing, and it just bugged me. I was like, "Why is Joe fuzzy? Why he doesn't need to be fuzzy?" And maybe that's just I don't know if that's a camera like quality thing, but Donna was right next to him and it was fine. So I don't know. See, this is what makes me think like this is a Donna story. This is not a Joe story. Mm. Even the camera was just like, "Look, we all know who's the point here." True. True. So I guess Joe's going to get an experimental heart surgery. That doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. Yeah, it definitely makes me scared for how long this actor stays on the show. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've watched too much Grey's Anatomy. Okay, but fair. Like, yeah, you watch three to five seasons of any of those shows. You're just skept. skeptical. Super skeptical. And you never believe that somebody le- – like, also, I feel like – not for 90210, I haven't really had that for this, but especially after Grey's Anatomy, from that point forward, I was never confident that any person would leave a show without being killed off. Because Shonda – like, I always said, there's a joke that that meme that went around the internet for a long time, like, when I die, I need Shonda Rhimes to bury me so she can let me down one more time. <laughs> And it's very mean because Shonda Rhimes is brilliant and TV has like been revolutionized because of her. But my God, if I have to remember and think about Lexi Gray and Mark Sloan dying one more time, (laughs) she might just kill me herself. Anyway, rant over. Yeah. All I know is that Joe has told us, the audience and Donna, that he's going to be fine too many times for him to come out of this fine. Yes. Totally agree. Yeah. And they'll play, like, some Goo Goo Dolls music over it when he goes into the surgery. Then we're never going to hear audio from the people again. We're just going to hear the music where it's like, I I don't even know a Goo Goo Dolls song. Not that we'd hear it anyway because I'm sure they didn't pay for the rights for streaming. So we're just going to get We'll just play it over that scene. Whatever we end up getting, we'll just like <laughs> mute it and then put <laughs> the Iris by the Google Dolls on there. <laughs> no, you know what we're going to put on there? Because Grey's Anatomy did this to me too, is How to Save a Life by the Fray. That's so, what we're going to do. <laughs> I thought about that, but that's time travel. We got to hit like 1996 peak pop music. Damn it. 
I know. I thought about it. Can't hear that song without having PTSD, I swear. Is it is it too on the nose to do my heart will go on? Oh <laughs> wait, that might be time travel though. Like we're so close because wasn't Titanic ninety-eight? I thought it was ninety-five. It was ninety-seven. Okay. What? So maybe she recorded it in ninety-six and then nine oh two one oh scooped it from Titanic. Yep. Now I gotta look this up. A song by Celine Dion. We all know. Uh ba ba ba. It was 97. Damn it. I know. Okay, so Joe lives to 97. (laughs) (laughs) We found the perfect song. He can't die before the song. I mean, we are fresh into 96, so he's got a ways to go. (laughs) He's got like 30 episodes. We're good. Hang in there, Joe. (laughs) Well, anyway, what else happened this week, Mary? Val and Colin, both recently single, decide to have dinner together at the Walsh house and bang. The next morning, Colin asks Val on a breakfast date, and she agrees if they can go somewhere, nobody will recognize them. I mean, we all saw it coming, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, Val, like, her face acting (laughs) in every scene with Colin or as Colin's leaving, I was just like, man... This is the face of a woman who is getting everything she ever wanted. (laughs) Right? There is one point where they're talking that she bites her lip. And, like, the words coming out of her mouth are like, we could just be depressed together. But she's biting her lip and looking at him. I was like, oh, damn. She's entirely too attractive of a human being to put her lip in her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It would work 100% of the time. That thing has got to have a 100% success rate. (laughs) I mean, seriously. I mean, from what we've seen, she has a 100% success rate. Like, nothing has backfired on her to the point that she doesn't immediately get something else that she wants. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like, it's the persona, right? Like, she Mm. has built up this persona of her language and her, her... timing and then now you add in a lip bite into a feeble man such as Colin yeah of course it's gonna work and it always worked on David I mean it was working on Dylan for god's sakes and Dylan was always like presumably smarter than her and more I don't know like always knew what she was doing but he fell for it anyway Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah he always insisted that he knew what he was doing but let's be honest here yeah come on but I mean, like, seriously, I don't want to say it is all 100% calculated, but I feel like it really is. Because the first time we see her is when you find out she was supposed to go on the ski trip with everyone. But since David dumped her, she's not going. And I think it's hilarious that every single person on the show is like, well, I dumped you, but we can be immediately friends, right? <laughs> yeah. Every single one. David does it too. And Val's just like, no, you go have fun. And then just like, depressingly walks into the kitchen and then hours later she sits next to Colin with that lip bite and that whole like let's have dinner together I just like I also like on the whole friend group situation or like staying friends after a dating situation I love how David's like well you did it with Dylan so why can't you do it with me and she's like that was different and like offers no other explanation (laughs) just that was different (laughs) I just I can't with all of them 
They're so fun. I know I said no to your proposal, but like we should still be <laughs> dating, right? <laughs> I still love you. Oh, that was not revisited this week. Thank God. Like it keeps going because she goes home later. They make this whole plan that they're going to have dinner together at eight. She's like, it seems like she's waiting for the phone to ring when she's like messing mm. with that book. And then the phone starts ringing. She lets it ring for a couple of times. And then she picks it up. And it wasn't on a cradle. She had carried it with her. She knew he was going to call. Which, so with Val, she's always so confident. But I feel like at times, like with Dylan, she was a little less confident. With Colin, in the beginning, I feel like she was less confident because she was like, you've seen me when I was not this. So... I am still a little shy, but she's developed this confidence. But you can tell, like, she's still, like, a young woman when mm-hmm. she's around boys. Like, because she, it's she's still a human being. Like, I think that's, like, always such an interesting thing to see is when there's little, like, chinks in the armor of these supposed, like, solid and confident and, you know, whatever, like, people to see their little human elements, which is why I just love when, like, actors giggle randomly in scenes mm-hmm. because I'm like that's that's you that's not your character <laughs> yeah I mean like that is they do talk about that you know when Colin comes over later and they're talking about how when they first met and he's trying to be all smooth and be like you know I noticed you the first time I met you and she was like oh yeah what was I wearing <laughs> and then he gets it wrong which I, I gotta say I don't care personally I was too distracted by her silk shirt and his velvet shirt. What was he wearing? And the colors didn't go well together. It was a very awkward first date. It was extremely awkward. So if that's what they were going for, they nailed it. Nailed it. But I just like, yeah, I didn't care it was such a dumb conversation about like what she was wearing when they met like like six years ago yeah and like he kept saying different items of clothing and she's finally like no I was wearing shorts it's like why does this matter and then like you finally get a little moment of like seriousness when he thanks her for the mural and the contacts and like being a good friend and he doesn't deserve it and like da 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 you know, wants to avoid talking about the elephant in the room, which I Mm. guess we could have just said the snowman in the room. But, you know, like, it was just such a weird vibe. Mm -hmm. And I definitely don't ship Colin and Val together. Mm -mm. Because Val can do better. (laughs) And Colin needs to leave. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because they even talk about, like, how they're outsiders in L.A. It's like, we get it. There's the core gang, and then there's you guys. Right. We get it. But he talks about how much he doesn't like L.A., and he's like, you don't like it either. We're New York people. It's like, then go. Yeah. Not Val. She stays. Yes. <laughs> but We have you converted go. her to an avocado head. You go with your subway and your – no, I'm going Boston. I was about to say New York and Yaka, but that's too Boston. Like I can't, I can't, I can't differentiate New York. But you go up there with your bagels, okay? <laughs> yeah, go eat carbs. Yeah, you know they they do have that like moment where he's like, oh yeah, I I don't even remember what they're talking about, but I just know like 
she closes the dishwasher, gets like all up in his face and is like, I know what you're thinking right now. And then they bang it out and she kicks him out because that's what you do. But yeah, she makes that comment of like, we're going to go have brunch somewhere that nobody knows us because now she's back in Val mode and is like, I got what Mm -hmm. I wanted, but I have to hide it because everyone I live with will judge me. Well, and yeah, it's like that plus the control aspect. She needs to like assert her power and her dominance in this relationship early on so she can let Colin know like you were the person that I wanted. But now that I have you, you are now under my like control or whatever. Like you're part of this now. And that's what makes her a great villain. But I'm like, "Mm, this is going to blow up and people are not going to like this. And please don't leave me, Val. (laughs) Don't go back to New York. This is the thing. This is going to blow up in her face so spectacularly. The only way out of this I can see is when everybody figures out what's happening and she's dating him. She's going to act like it doesn't matter and she wasn't trying to hurt anybody and it's totally fine. And then something's going to happen to Colin and he's going to go away. And then question marks. What if Ginger comes back another time? Comes to Val, threatens to spill because she did make a copy of the tape because who wouldn't? She, <laughs> instead of $50,000, she wants ten. Because <laughs> let's be real, he is not worth it. <laughs> I would kind of love it if Ginger came back and I was like, okay, Val, for real this time. $10,000 or your new boyfriend. Yes. And Val's just going to be like, take him. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> right? She's going to be like, you, that's still too much. I, I, just, I don't know. It just, go ahead, take him. His art was worth that. So I guess you could take the art too. <laughs> I'll throw in some paintings for free. Right? <laughs> so one other thing I thought about when you said like, they're acting like outsiders and this is the core group and this is them or whatever. It made me think of Boy Meets World, how in, in the college years, it was always Corey, Sean, and Topanga and Jack, Angela, and Rachel mm-hmm. always felt left out. And Eric was like in the middle. Oh, poor Eric. He always got the short end of the stick. I feel so bad for him. But I'm like, so who is like team OG in this scenario? And who is like, like who's original team arrow and who's new team arrow in this situation? It'd be uh, Brandon, Steve, Donna and Kelly. Yeah. And then I feel like new team arrow is Claire and Susan. Val. And, so I would say it's Claire and Susan and like to an extent David just because like he wasn't originally in the original group but like he came in pretty early mm-hmm. but he wasn't originally there and then you've got like like a tertiary team arrow <laughs> that's Val and Colin and they just like really want to be involved but they keep getting hurt mm. They're, oh God, what's the name of the villain from The Incredibles? Syndrome. Um, yeah, they're <laughs> Syndrome when he desperately wants to be Mr. Incredible's sidekick. Yes. And then he's like, no. And then he comes back as the villain. 100%. Val and Colin will rise from the ashes as true villains. They will... They will both leave and then they'll both come back in season seven to be the villain and then Colin will leave for good and then Val will be brought back into the fold by season eight. 
I get such like I didn't really watch I only watched maybe the first and second seasons of Once Upon a Time because I thought the concept was super cool mm-hmm. but I fell off of it but I, I get so many especially in that green silk shirt that Val was wearing um the Regina vibes like she was the the evil queen I guess um in Once Upon a Time and she had those like darker features and stuff and I was like you look the same and Kelly gives me very much like um Jennifer Morrison's character I don't remember her name in the show but like I was like you guys this is very on the nose here (laughs) so yeah but all that to say is I want to say in the show Regina gets like like is redeemed later on in the show and I feel like that's such a vow move to like be the villain for so long and then get redeemed but somehow like end up being the villain again I don't know we'll see but yeah anywho I watched that show for longer than I probably should have given it, but no, like I did really like Regina's arc for the most part because she became better, but not necessarily good, and she was still just a bad bitch, and I kind of loved her. See? Such a more interesting character than somebody who's just always good. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why Val is so interesting because like mm-hmm. I'm sitting here and being like, how is she going to get out of this? Meanwhile, Donna is like doing the same thing Donna always does. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think we have no choice but to talk about the ski trip. Mammoth, baby. Mary, <laughs> do you want to tell us about it? The rest of the gang, Brandon, Susan, Claire, Steve, and David, go to Mammoth for skiing and stuff. The guys and girls separately agree that David might be a little lonely, and hey, there's a blonde girl named Mary, let's set her up with him. But the Marys they find are not the same Mary, and David isn't really interested in either Mary. But then Brandon and Susan let their competitive natures get out of hand and do a very stupid thing and get lost in a snowstorm on the wrong side of the mountain. Things look super bleak, actually. But eventually, they get rescued, and David is so relieved that he presumably bangs both Marys and makes a stupid joke about it. The end. The name Mary has ceased to mean anything. After how many times? Mary. 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 It just sounds now. (laughs) I definitely started misspelling Mary throughout the rest of my notes, because one of them is, like, British or something. Yeah. So I was writing, like, Mary. (laughs) <laughs> you sound like you're from London <laughs> I couldn't help it I was like I just, it's too many Marys too many Marys so I guess we like start in Mammoth because like we had that little tiny scene of everybody like getting ready to pack and like getting excited oh no we do have that one little scene right like while Val and David are talking where Claire is just excited for buffalo, buffalo wings and fire and I love her so much I love that so much. And she's like in an all white outfit. I was like, you should not be talking about buffalo wings. Like you're going to stain just thinking about it. God, I think I've told everybody on this podcast, but it bears repeating. My husband cannot wear a white t-shirt ever really, but especially while eating. And so whenever we have pasta he j- and he's wearing a white shirt, he just takes it off. Can't spill if you're not wearing a shirt. <laughs> but like, it's inevitable. You put yeah. on a shirt, you're going to spill food on it. 100%. The amount of times I will, like, put on a white soccer jersey, and I know because it's the only white shirts I really own are, like, soccer-related things, but I'll put on a white jersey and then go into the kitchen and be like, you know what sounds really good right now? Tomato soup. (laughs) Yeah. Inevitable. 
R.I.P. to my white jersey. It got it was uh, victimized by my chapstick that I left in my shorts. I mean, further proof that all leagues should just abandon the all white jersey. Could not agree more. Chapstick jokes on you. <laughs> so, in this moment, this is a really weird scene to me because I feel like Susan is going way too hard on this. Like, this doesn't feel Susan y to me. This, this is like too much. Mm-hmm. And it was cute where, like, at first, she was talking about, like, how she grew up skiing, and Brandon was like, I grew up where winter was invented. <laughs> yeah. Like, it starts out cute and then very quickly becomes too much. But yes. then Claire and Steve are like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. This is just, like, foreplay. It's like, what are y'all hoping to get out of this weekend? It is very clear that they're on the same page sexually and thriving. Like, <laughs> It's just so – it is so weird to me how many times this group of friends, very specifically Susan, Brandon, and Claire, and Steve, think about each other's sex lives. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I think – I think in some cases that's okay if you're all cool with it, but that's not me. Like, sure, if you want to talk about it, ask me anything. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Am I going to ask you questions? Probs not. Am I going to make suggestive comments? Probably. That is my style. But – yeah, they're way too intimately involved with each other and not quite that intimately, but like enough. But like I'd believe it if they were that intimately. Same. Or like if Claire and Steve wanted it and then presented it to Susan and David. Or Dude. Oh my God. They, Susan and Brandon. <laughs> they totally would though. They would like put a pineapple in the room and be like, eh? How did that get there? I mean, you know what a pineapple stands for. Right? and they get to the lodge where it becomes very clear that david probably shouldn't have come yes like his whole plan he packed a snowboard he had every intention but like he cannot emotionally bring himself to do anything other than mope around the ski lodge which because some writer in some writer's room saw an 80s ski movie was just like well you know what happens at ski lodges Random sex. Because, <laughs> like, some random woman just walks up to Claire and Susan and is like, can I stay in your room? I don't know what... That whole thing confused me. Like, I... It's kind of one of those situations, like, you know, when somebody, like, starts saying something, but they give you way too much context or way too much detail, so you're like, this sounds like a lie. Like... This was a situation mm-hmm. where this person, Mary, could have said, hey, can I bunk with you guys? And stopped. But instead she's like, they lost uh, my reservation and I don't have a boyfriend anymore and I need a place. To-. Like, she kept going and I'm like, this sounds fake. You're going to be an axe murderer. I've seen too many scary movies. Yeah. Like, something happened. My room fell apart. Do you guys know where I can find a place to stay? Yeah. Done. Easy. But- Her name is Mary. They've decided she's perfect for David because she's single and David has a room perfect for murdering in. (laughs) So they invite her to come meet him later. Which, like, also very presumptuous that they are just like, oh, so you're single. Our friend is single, too. He's got a king-size bed. Like, perhaps I just was not out there enough, but... (laughs) 
or perhaps you know we grew up in a time where it was more I don't know social media and the internet and things like that I don't know maybe this is that weird crossover moment but this just didn't happen in my teenage years or college years like I kind of just stuck to my tribe right (laughs) like I just I I'm sure to an extent it happened but like not like this like yeah this Mary could be a murderer truly right she could rob David blind totally but it doesn't matter because there's another Mary. <laughs> I th- literally, I just, this is the only way I could differentiate between the two of them. Well, and it, yes, no, absolutely. I just, I think one of my biggest pet peeves about how Steve is, which there's plenty of them, <laughs> but my God, it's like he's never seen a girl before. He's because so- he's like immediately gross about every girl he sees even when he has a very attractive girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, I would not, okay, it wouldn't be entirely too naive of me to think that Nate thinks that I am the only attractive human being on the planet. Like, that is entirely too naive. But if, like, he was talking to you or to John or to Michael or to whoever and without me there or with me there because he's done it in front of Claire – and just like macking on a girl in front of me, I'd be like, I'm sorry, what is happening? Right? They just treat that so casually. Like, yeah. I have definitely made John lie to me before and be like, what other women? I've never seen another woman in my life. <laughs> yeah. And like, I know that's a lie, but that's where I live in our relationship, not him like staring at women. And like acting like it's like such a. Uh, travesty that he is single. I mean, he is not single. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if only I wasn't in a healthy, communicative relationship. Right? With a hot woman who is very interested in me on several levels for some reason. Right. Like, like he acts like he could get either of these Marys. That's the thing. He's got the confidence of a very mediocre white man. Like, <laughs> he just thinks every woman is there to bang him. And it doesn't matter if they're actually interested or not because he is amazing. So why wouldn't they? Yeah, but for some reason, every woman they talk to at this lodge is ready to meet someone to bang. True. And I I couldn't. Like, this is some weird male fantasy where they found two women, styled their hair identically, gave them the exact same name. They have, like, you know, similar heights, body styles, like, close enough. And they were just like, Every man wants this. Our core demographic of 18 to 24-year-old teenage girls is going to love this moment. Yeah. Like that – I was like, <laughs> um, can we do it the other – like I still wouldn't want it the other way around. But like if your key demo is a woman, they don't want to feel – like they're going to feel bad about this. Like, Because like I just said, like why would I want to like know my boyfriend or husband or whatever – is like checking out girls out it, loud. <laughs> right? It like feels very like red pilly of like women need to yeah. be told and like I need to be a hyper masculine man and blah blah blah. Yeah. Speaking of this like hyper competitiveness and just bad behavior, the Susan and Brandon are going way too hard and I don't really have anything to say other than, like, 
the sound bites when they're quote unquote skiing and they're just like yipping as they do <laughs> the jumps. It was very like Super Mario. I was like, what? Wahoo! <laughs> it really was. <laughs> but like, as soon as they showed up at the ski lodge, I wrote in my notes, I was like, there better be a ski race. Because this is an 80s ski movie. That is what's happening yeah. here. And then Susan and Brandon finally decide that they're going to race. And for some reason, they both decide it's okay to go clear out of bounds, which again, not a thing that I think either of them would do. Especially Susan. Like, right. That was what was so weird. It was almost like she was on cocaine or something because, like, I can understand. Like, I'm a competitive person. So, with, you know, with most people, I am very, I want to win. Will I talk smack? Yeah, I might talk smack every now and then. I got in trouble for it when I played basketball in high school. It's fine. <laughs> that didn't at all affect me later on in life. But am I at the point where I'm, in, like, actually insulting someone? No, of course not. Because, like... There is, like, I'll, like, rib on Nate or whatever sometimes. And then all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, that was too far. I'm so sorry. That was actually, like, insulting. Because at one point, like, Susan says that Brandon's not a strong skier, but he's a safe driver. And even Steve is like, oh. Or I think Claire even reacts like that. That's the thing that gets me is every other person sees that Susan is going too far except for Susan. Yes. And the fact that Brandon doesn't, like, snap at her was also a little weird. Right. You'd think he'd be like, I don't appreciate this anymore. I'm going to go ski by myself. Yeah. Or just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Keats, what are you doing? You've been mad at me all day. Like, are you mad at me? You've been ribbing on me all day. You've got blah, 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 like all this. I could totally see Brandon like acting like that. Yeah. But I feel like this whole thing was just to put them in another life or death situation because they really like putting Brandon into life or death situations. Well, they got to prove that he's got all of his Boy Scout badges. He's a regular MacGyver. That's right. Which the second they said that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, in all seriousness, have we seen that before? No, we've seen it more in terms of, like, Boy Scout. In the pilot, that really fucking weird alarm clock he had. <laughs> what was it I like? mean, wake up. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he does Boy Scout the hell out of this. Like he does. When when they get hurt and the storm starts picking up, you know, he finds them shelter. He goes and finds wood so that he can set them a fire. He makes sure she eats food. But he even like tries to make sure they don't go to sleep, so he comes up with things that they should talk about. Like all very smart things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't really have too much to say about this because, like, you know, they're outside for a while, their friends report them as missing to the ski patrol, and then, like, as the ski patrol is about to call off their search, they find them, rescue them, and, you know, Susan ends up in a brace at the end of the episode. Yeah, the only thing that I wanted to mention, um, because we were talking about how, like, out of character this was for Susan especially the going out of bounds. She even says, like, um, once they kind of get in that little cave area, um, like, Brandon says, knowing our luck, we'll get rescued, then arrested. And then Susan, rightfully true to her character, ends up saying something around, like, well, actually, in the state of California, the penal code is da-da-da-da-da, that you actually have a fine instead of being arrested, or something like that. So I'm like, 
that is on brand. Like you, yeah. yes, you knowing laws, random laws about skiing in the state of California makes sense. You being ultra competitive to the fact where now you're breaking laws and breaking rules, not so much. Mm-mm. Yeah, they lost me there. That's a side of Susan that we've never seen before, which like, I feel like they're making Susan like a six-dimensional person. They're like, yeah. oh, you've never seen this side of her. Oh, you've never seen this side of her. Oh, you've never seen this side of her. I guess the only thing for me is like we didn't get to see Susan with her sister. And we know mm-hmm. in that one episode where we see the flashback of her and her sister, they were very competitive. So that's fair. I, I just wonder if this is like overcompensating. But at the same time, if that trauma – if something ha- bad happened to her sister while she was being competitive, you would almost think it would, like, make her go the opposite direction and be super non-competitive. Or even Brandon be like, I see what's going on here and I'm not going to feed into this. Like, we right. are not going to go out of bounds and risk hurting ourselves when your hyper-competitiveness with your sister, like, led to a very traumatic experience in your life. Exactly. But, I mean, they get rescued – They all come home. They come into the peach pit where we see Susan in the leg brace that, like, it's clearly for her knee. It doesn't go all the way down to her ankle. But David's not there because for some reason everything worked out fine and presumably David is going to bang Mary and Mary because the more the merrier. Dumb. So dumb. Oh, and the camera angle, like, right up into his crotch where they're just both hanging off of him. No. How does he get home from Mammoth? I don't know. And, like, with that angle, like, I'm very glad they gave David in the style back then was very baggy, big jeans. Because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't need to see any more than I have to. I hated it. I hated the ski thing completely. It was bad. It was boring and it was bad. And, like, truly, somebody rented, uh, what is it, Better Off Dead and mm. was just like, we can do this. Well, also, there's a ski episode, well, a two-parter, I think, in Boy Meets World. Like, since we're, like, bringing oh, it, yeah. still talking about 90s, Linda Cardellini, mm, screwing things up. Sean catching it from the get-go for her, for her and Corey talking all night when Corey gets in the injury wasn't skiing related he just stepped off the bus weird (laughs) god i love that show so i think what this tells us is that no one should ever go skiing yeah i believe that i've heard way too many horror stories of like people falling and tearing their acls or like blowing out their knees and like all this stuff i'm like "Uh, maybe i better not but then again my dad loves it Mm -mm. and he's like you would be great at skiing and i'm like no no i've seen the olympics i don't think i would (laughs) Mm -mm. No. When I was in high school, I tried to go up to North Carolina to go snowboarding with my friend and her family. And much like Corey, I slipped trying to get on the ski lift. Yep. And bruised my wrist. <laughs> so I I did like two bunny hills and then I stopped. And then one of our friends in high school, I think it was sophomore year that she busted her knee. She and her family went on a ski trip, and it was like they were skiing into the lodge. I don't remember how early or late into the ski trip it was, but she had to be, like, fully airlifted or something. Yeah. I just remember um, people having fights in Latin with her crutches. Yeah, because we were super mature. We would steal her crutches and have sword fights. As long as she was sitting down, she was probably fine. (laughs) 
She was because I got to leave class every time we were in class together. We got to leave early because it would take her so long to walk down the halls and I would carry her books for her. I have a very fond memory of that same thing happening to me. I like it was like the first day of fifth grade and I remember it was fifth grade and this really cool person who I never ended up like keeping in touch with because after fifth grade like long story short my school was a feeder school to multiple schools and she went to the other one and I went to mine and but she got in a dirt bike accident and I was like oh I already like you you're already so cool and she broke her leg and she was on crutches. And so my teacher, Miss Henley, who is also a wonderful angel, she was one of the only teachers I like vividly remember as being just a wonderful human being. She was like, now, Caitlin, I need you to help her. It does mean you're going to get out of class early because it's going to take her a long time. But would you mind carrying her books and like all these things? And I'm like, sure, I'm 10 years old or 11 years old. I don't know. Why not? She ended up being such a cool person. We became friends. We may not have ever become friends like you know, if not for that year, that one fifth grade year. <laughs> if only we had like a flashback going and we could just like see young Caitlin for an episode of television making a friend. I wore a lot of like sweatshirts and athletic gear as a fifth grade. I was a big old tomboy in fifth grade. And luckily, so was Chris, my friend who got in a dirt bike accident. Her name was Chris as a girl so that just shows you she was set up to ride dirt bikes (laughs) like seriously this feels like it should be like a mini series of just like I remember that fateful year (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what she's up to oh the beauty of social media yeah bringing it back that's right so do you have a quote of the week oh I sure do Knowing the only one I wrote down was the more the merrier. Yes, I actually do. And we have not talked about them. Okay. The only other quote I wrote down was you're not the first person cocaine seduced. I did write that one down, but that one's not it. Yeah. No, I literally, those are the only two things I wrote down. So I'm out, Mary. What do you have? I wrote down one thing that I'm already sure is not it, but um, it was Colin and Kelly breaking up and Kelly – or no, Colin says, you know I love you. And Kelly says, it's over. I'm sorry. And it just made me think of just now rereading this like what – like a couple episodes ago, Donna's like to Kelly, you know I love you. And Kelly goes, I'm sorry. Mm. (gasps) So I was like, that's weird. Anyway, I like that. I mean, I, I like hate it, too. but I like it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, no, that was not it. But that was a very clever one, so I appreciate it. So there are two, and they're both so minuscule. I feel like I'm pulling a Mary this time where it's just like words I picked up on. <laughs> Okie doke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Okay, that one might be like quote of the series. <laughs> like, Okie doke. <laughs> Um, No. So the first one was when the gang or, you know, a few of the gang was at the Walsh house getting all excited about the ski trip right before or right after Susan got all competitive. Steve calls Claire a bunny. And I just thought it was so cute. Like he was like, come on, bunny or something like that. And I was like, okay, that's adorable. Specifically wrote that down. And then the second one is during the ski race and Brandon like jumps off of that kind of like big cliffy jump thing 
and uh and like first of all susan takes forever to like get to that point so i'm like okay brandon's clearly leading and she when she gets injured and she's just like laying in the in the snow like crying out you just see brandon like run skiing over to susan and he just goes hang on baby i'm coming And it just killed me because, like, you never hear Brandon use pet names that often. And just, like, seeing him kind of waddle ski and he's just like, hang on, baby, I'm coming. (laughs) Got me. Okie doke. (laughs) Telling you, this episode is a ski comedy. It really is. It's weird. Mary, what is your moment of the week? So I was going to give it to um, Donna giving Kelly that parrot because as soon as it came on screen, I just like had a vivid memory of a friend of mine who had one of those. No. Yeah. Just like seeing it made me remember it existed and I was just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, oh yeah, this thing. Anyway, um, that's not it though. Um, (laughs) Yeah. My moment of the week is um, Brandon and Susan unpacking their fanny packs and pockets um, to survive the night. And mostly because it reminded me of the episode where SpongeBob and Patrick steal a balloon (laughs) (laughs) and um, it pops and they can't give it back. So they go out and make a fire and um, all they have to eat are two chocolate bars. (laughs) Oh my oh. gosh. And then Patrick eats his chocolate bar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, um, that's why that's my moment of the week. <laughs> I love it. Caitlin, do you know what next week's episode is? I do. In fact, it is season six, episode 23. We're getting so close. It's called Leap of Faith. Joe's gonna Could have be heart so many surgery. <laughs> yeah, Joe's gonna I, die. <laughs> I was honestly expecting it to be like season six, episode twenty-three, and then just something like you've had a heart all along. Oh my god, yes. Where <laughs> the heart is. <laughs> no, I I'm gonna guess that a leap of faith has to do with Colin's or uh Joe's heart. I mean, I can see that for sure. I'm not reading the synopsis, but I can see that for sure. I mean, it's not like we've really set up anything for Brandon, Susan, Steve, Claire, David. Like, nobody else is doing anything, so. Yeah, it would have to be something like whatever this episode was filling time for. Yeah, which Donna and Joe were not really in this episode, so just saying. It's true. Good point. Yeah, so. We'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also let us know any of your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns by sending us an email at back2podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community. And that means we can give you all a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go where the buffalo wings are spicy and there's a fire in the fireplace. 
I have a fluffy pink robe with a cow on the back. I'm gonna stay on this side of the mountain. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See ya.